30 years in education, 15 years as a Nevada assemblywoman, 12 years as a Clark County commissioner. If you guess that I'm talking about Christina Arjun Kiliani, a.k.a. Chris G., then you're totally correct. She's retired from public office, but still serving our community. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I get to chat with Chris G. about her decades in Nevada politics. We get into why she was the single vote against public funding for the Raider Stadium. How Nevada might be different if she'd won the governor's race in 2018. And what she hopes for in November's election. It's Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Chris G, we call you that, but it's really June Kiliani. What's the worst pronunciation you've ever heard of your name? Oh, somebody called me Gucci Gucci one time. I remember that. No. Gagliani. I got that one in college. <laughs> um, it's been butchered. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of fun. It's a great introduction piece. I used it. My husband used to put a phonics chart in my walk pieces. So when I went door to door, people would go, I've been practicing your name. And so it was a great icebreaker. So I actually... Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of the name. My grandfather came to the United States when he was 17 and uh, they tried to change his name and shorten it. And he refused. Mm. And um, there's only two June Kiliani families, my dad's, my side, my cousin in Kentucky that have that same last name. So it's pretty unusual. Yeah. My name is like that too. People tend to not forget me. So I'm just like, hey, (laughs) but it's only my first name, not my last. Exactly. (laughs) I know and love that you were a special education teacher, and I feel like you had that role for like 20 years. Is that correct? 22 in the actual classroom, 30 years in the school district as a special ed teacher, but I was in and out because of serving the legislature and serving as a president of both the local and state teachers union. So I took unpaid leaves of absence during those times, but I'm still involved even while I was a county commissioner. I did Nevada Reading Week. I did Mojave Max. Mm-hmm. I I do I did what, what they used to call the JAG program, but the uh, J4 Nevada. I still do that. I mentor kids. Um, my husband mentored. He was a middle school English teacher, and he mentored for sixteen years at Clark High School. So I think he was the longest serving mentor as well. So we still believe that you pay it back no matter what. So mm-hmm. I just got a call from the teacher who wants me to come and talk to her classes in ATEC next month. So I'm like, okay, that I'd be happy to. <laughs> so I'm trying to like follow you down this timeline. <laughs> and so from 1991 to 2006, you were in the Nevada Assembly. So like that's 15 years being part of the state legislature. What did you learn from your role as an assemblywoman? Oh my gosh, I learned so much. I love public policy. That's where I learned how to write legislation, how to craft it, how to amend it. Because I would get ideas from my constituents. And even if I didn't agree with what they wanted, I felt that I was their voice and I had to respect that. So I would put in bills that I didn't always agree with from constituents. Mm. But I also learned because I listened to KMPR every morning when my husband and I did late husband and I did walks and we get ideas. I got the green building idea came from listening to NPR, (laughs) just stuff that would get me thinking. And then I would craft it. So being an assembly person, 
gave me an opportunity to take that from an idea to something concrete. And I think I'm still pretty rare in that I wrote all my own legislation. Um, I did all my own research. I would bring it to the legislature and then I would bring it to the LCB, the Legislative Council Bureau attorneys. They would then draft it in legalese. I learned how to work across the aisle. We had a Republican-controlled Senate and a Democratic-controlled Assembly. I've worked with both Republican governors and, and Democratic governors. Um, and even though I was very liberal, which is now the word progressive, I guess, or whatever, <laughs> because I was known for doing my homework, I always presented all the sides of information that I could find. Therefore, they could read what they wanted. I didn't filter it for them. I wanted them to know that this is as truthful that I found on research. If you find more, bring it to me. I will, I will modify something if I'm not accurate, if that's the case. But I built a reputation of being um, very much an advocate and, and one who did their homework. And they used to tease about Chris G bills because the, you know, the kitchen sink, because I have ideas <laughs> that I would put all into a basket. And if it peeled off parts of it, fine. You still had areas that still made a difference for people's lives. And so I do miss being a legislator because of that policy side of it. At the local government, you don't do that as much as you would like. Something I learned this year <laughs> in having this job is that we have a citizen legislature, which means our lawmakers meet every Correct. other year and they still have their day jobs. Do you think they should? No, I, I sponsored the full-time um, legislative law six sessions. Bob Price, he's deceased now, former Assemblyman Price, carried the original ones to amend the Constitution, to put it into allow us to meet every year. We said we understood people didn't always trust government, so it didn't have to be year long like they do in California. We're not that big, but we could do a modified Utah model, which would be, I think, what we compromised on was 160 days one year, but that's when we would do the budget work. And then the second year would be policy. And if we had to fix anything we messed up in budget, we would do that. So we did shorten the sessions, not year long, but year round. And I think we're doing a disservice to our citizens now because we don't meet that way. And it's difficult for families, especially people to run for office. We don't, by constitution, they're only paid the first 60 days of the legislature. So even though they work 120 days, they're capped mm -hmm. at their salary. I do think on the commissions and the councils, because those really are full-time jobs, and you have so many potential conflicts of interest that you should pay, they pay us pretty damn well as a county commissioner or city council. Don't don't allow an outside job in those seats at, at a minimum. Let's talk about the, the commissioner roles, because that's how I met you is while you were a county commissioner. Right. I didn't realize you were a commissioner for 12 years. During that time, you were the only commissioner to vote against using public funds to build the Raider Stadium. Have you visited that stadium since it's been built? No, I have not. I've seen pictures. I can do it online, but I I'm one of those persons that if I believe in something, I can be very stubborn about it. I have no need. I'm not a Raiders fan. I'm glad they're working and people are enjoying the sports. I still believe I was right that you don't need public subsidies for sports teams, let alone for gaming or other properties that they want to have. They should be able to have the money for it, just like the gentleman who owns our um, hockey team said, mm -hmm. I built it myself. Why did you give them that kind of money? 
that didn't go to schools, it didn't go to police, it didn't go to fire. And in fact, during the special session, it wasn't just the $750 million. They permanently excused them from paying any kind of property taxes. So everybody else pays property taxes, but not the Raiders Legion Stadium. Um, so there's just other things that you, that's again, a, a public policy that should have been better debated. I raised those issues. Um, others did as well. But it fell on deaf ears because they wanted this deal cut and they cut the deal that they wanted. I knew you were going to say I haven't set foot in that place. I just knew it. <laughs> I was like, I bet you. I bet you. <laughs> but I respected it. I've never been in a Walmart either. <laughs> really? Okay. See, really? We just. I just need to sit down with you for like a bajillion hours. You ran for governor in 2018, the Democratic primaries against the current governor, Steve Sisolak. How do you think Nevada would be different today had you won and become governor? How do I think it would be different? I am a very accessible, hands-on person. So I think I would have had a better sense of having worked with the rural counties in the northern part of the state, not just too much focus on Clark County. You know, having been there, I have the privilege of, of not having dealt with COVID. So I will not criticize Steve on that because I think they overall did a pretty good job. But I think I would have funded education in a completely different way. And I know they had working sessions with Democrats and Republicans and they redid the formula. They never really put the money in and the formula is a mess again. So they really never fixed anything. They just called it something else. And I think I would have been more of an education governor. I just would have done things educationally far differently than 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 what's been done. And that's not a criticism of Steve. It's just where my focus would have been. And I think as governor, I might have had just more of a, a woman's touch, I think, to some extent doesn't hurt either. <laughs> I can be very tough, but I think you need to be kinder and gentler with folks these days. Yeah. Increasing the empathy levels for sure. Yeah. It's so interesting because Monday we had another conversation with um, a writer about the rules and the distrust that comes in. And I think both sides, we both think that we hate each other. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, maybe we should just talk more often. Yeah. So yeah. we're all struggling and screaming to be seen. It, um, it's easy to pit people against each other. And that's what happens. I mean, I, I was going door to door on Saturday for a, a assemblywoman and I had a gentleman, he looked at the brochure and he goes, nope, Democrat, not voting for it. And I went, okay, mm. I said, but thank you very much for at least letting me know and taking time to hand me back instead of throwing it on the ground. He said, well, I wouldn't do that. I said, I know, I, I can tell you didn't do that. I said, but I've had that happen to me. And even he was surprised. And it just, yeah. it was a teaching moment to some extent of at least you can be forceful with your position without having to be rude. Yeah. Connection is so important. And I will say any of the classrooms that I've gone into, the students are yearning for that. Yeah. We have to invite the younger people to have those conversations too. Like we all have to be much more inviting. And when we give people yeah. a chance to speak, a lot of times people have much more to say than than, than we could have imagined. So you got to, I don't know, uh, bet on people, I guess. <laughs> yeah. If we're placing our bets, like betting one. on like people. <laughs> I know. It's it's my team. They encourage puns. So here we are. <laughs> I know that you're retired from holding public office and you're still clearly involved in public life and a bunch of boards and volunteering and campaigning. Chris, what do you do for fun? I garden. Mm -hmm. I have 
two houses I take care of. I do the lawns and yards, and, I, and I, although I've taken out my my grass because I'm on Great Basin Water Network, and we're the ones who sue the, the state or the water authority over the pipelines. So I just took out my last piece, a little bit of lawn that I had, shut off five sprinklers. Bye, I girl. love to read. I love to travel. This last year and a half, I have the opportunity to get a little motorhome, and I throw my rescue dog in and my best friend of 50 years, and we've been going to the national parks. She's got a list now. I've been to 22, by golly. So um, after I lost my husband, it's been seven years and it still sucks. And, and I miss yeah. him. Um, but because we had an adventure, we had a wonderful life together. So, you know, I, I color. I took up coloring when he died. Um, I tried my hand at poetry. He could do poet. He was a poet, but I, did, I don't have that art skill or that skill. But I can read poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I write letters still. My mom has Alzheimer's, and so she doesn't really remember much of anything except my five brothers and sisters and me. So I try to mm-hmm. write her a note. I'm like, here's where I was at last week. you know, Or I was in Italy. I was visiting the cousins. Here was going on. you know. So even if she doesn't remember it, there's some sense. You never know when something might spark a memory. So I clean my houses. I, I have done that my entire life. I've worked since I was 14, and... I like physical work. I have my own chainsaws, plural. I have my own cement mixer. <laughs> I yes. have my own, you know, grills. I mean, I <laughs> so I mean I'm not prolific, but I'm I'm pretty good handy person in the long run, or I can back up my buddy Jaime who helps me out. <laughs> so yeah, I I I stay busy, but I do like digging in dirt. I can tell, yes. A woman who gets her hands dirty. <laughs> If I was running one of your yes. campaigns, <laughs> yes. I'd frame I, it. I have Tuscan uh, kale still coming in, but my tomato plant is, <laughs> plants bit the dust. This heat this summer was just, it wiped out a lot of my, my veggies. And I want to acknowledge, though, that as long as I've known you, you have always brought up your husband in different conversations. And so to me, I feel like I know mm-hmm. a little piece of him. And I'm I'm grateful for that. And with your mother having Alzheimer's, like, yeah, there, there's only so much you can do. And so it's like taking those steps and still finding ways to communicate. And letters are, are a beautiful way to, to keep her updated and give her a physical keepsake for you, yeah. of you rather. Yeah, in fact, I found um, a letter from her mother to me, I think right after I graduated college. And I sent her a copy of that for my brother to read to her. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> Also, side note, um, there's a poem type called an epistolary, which is writing letters. So just so you know, there's your poems. They're your letters to your mom. Would you ever run for office again? I will never say never. I'm not out shopping for anything. If I either get frustrated with who I who winds up in a race and I just don't think they have the qualifications or the temperament or the willingness to really do the work, I could be spurred getting into a race. But right now I'm really focusing on mentoring, trying to help young adults because I started Raise Leadership Academy in my husband's name and then COVID hit. So we only had one class, but trying to show young people that not just running for office, if you can learn the the skill sets to run the campaign for that person, whether it's comms or learning how to do field or learning how to manage or all those other components, those are all careers that really should be identified. I've tried to get workforce to look at that because anybody can run. I'd rather focus people that can actually help and support people get elected that 
have the right skill set and the mindset and the passion for wanting to represent their district and not just run for an office because it's an office. But long-winded answer, I, I won't say no, but I'm not out looking for anything. That's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Are you worried about the state of our democracy? Yes, I am. And I, I say that I've been walking door to door forever, but I mean, I've been walking off and on since, oh, maybe May, I think. And I'm, I'm proud that Democrats and Republicans that I've come across at the door, and again, that's only at the door, have been generally engaged, pretty polite, but also finding out going to the door comments that would be made about a stolen vote or we can't do the dominion and they don't even know what the dominion is. I chaired elections and I'm the one who brought in myself and the legislature brought in the, the materials and, the, and uh, the machines back in the day in the late nineties. And in fact, Senator Ann O'Connell, a Republican shared government affairs and I chaired elections in the assembly and we, Ann was very, very vocal that we have to have, a paper tra tracking it, no matter what, because technology was still kind of new back in the 90s, mm -hmm. at least as far as elections wise. So when we voted to move to from the hanging chads and the plastic push pins and everything else to a computer, Anne was very specific about making sure that whatever equipment we had had to have a, a matching piece of paper. And I went and talked to her and I said, okay, I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely correct. We should have that because it's a trust issue for the voter, as well as making sure that there's additional paper trail to monitor what the person's doing on the computer screen. And I, I commend Anne for pushing for that because she was absolutely right. But that's again, where Democrats and Republicans work together. We listen to each other and we actually made it better. So we were one of the first states that required dual. You can push print your screen, but you also have an automatic paper ballot that's captured and saved. So as a politician, I was never able to work the polls. So two years ago, I worked the polls and I'm working this I could start on Saturday. And it's I was amazed at how wonderful the people were that I worked with two years ago. Mm -hmm. These are everyday citizens. Many are elderly. They're, we're doing 12 and 14 hour days. It is not an easy yeah. job. And I I came away from that proud of who we are and what we do. But to convey that to the naysayers that don't believe in it, the ones in my county that want to promote only ham counting. I've done ham counting ballots and, and it's not easy and you make more mistakes with that. Believe me. My sad part is I have hope, but fear generates more people turning out for the wrong reasons than hope does. Yeah. And so that is part of the conversation you're seeing across the United States is how much of the deniers, those who believe, and not all Republicans believe what Trump says and touted, okay? So there's there's good R's out there, just like there's bad Democrats out there, right? So you got you got we all got a little bit of everything. It's kind of like I dysfunctional family, which is what every family is in the world. Right? <laughs> so what are you hoping for as we head into November's election? My hope is that hope prevails and not fear. My hope is that people go out to vote for something, not against something. Hmm. 
what I would love to see is grandmas and grandmas and moms and dads taking their kids to the voting booth to see how they're doing it. That happened two years ago. It was incredible. I, I'm that thanks for reminding me because I'm going to ring my toys and coloring books for the kids because some parents did that and sometimes they were like bored to death. So then I oh my grandma always took me like yeah <laughs> we were there all day long and then she would work. The, it's so funny when you said I have to work the polls. I was like oh this is literally what my grandma used to do: stand outside and mm-hmm. wait for hours and she would just hand people their pins and then like at some point you know the stickers happened and then I was a very happy child but right hours <laughs> well if kids see it then they begin to at least say oh voting must be important my mom and dad are doing that rather than leaving the house going oh did you vote yeah or so you do the mail ballot you sit with them and say here's who i'm voting for and here's why it's a wonderful education opportunity and it sticks in their minds so that years later when they're eligible for voting they take it more seriously because you have to look at, we're a 24-hour town. Where do some of these parents get the opportunity? In the old days, they don't. Now it comes right to your doorstep. It's in your mail. You can mail it back. You can drop it off at a center. You can drop it off at any center. You don't even have to worry about what precinct you're in anymore. We have made it so easy. There's no excuse not to vote. Chris G., thank you so much for making time to be on CityCast Las Vegas today. We really appreciate you. My pleasure. This is my first podcast. <laughs> So thank you. Ah, That's so cool. Yay. Before you go, here's David with some news. Thanks, Vogue. Amid all the recent headlines about problems at our animal shelter, County Commissioner Michael Naft is asking for a new law to ban retail sales of dogs, cats, rabbits, and pigs. As you can imagine, supporters and detractors are pretty vocal about the idea since Naft floated it in June. If passed, it would give stores one year to cease these animal sales. And if you feel a rumbling tomorrow morning a little after 10, well, that would be the Great Nevada Shakeout, a statewide earthquake drill. Hundreds of thousands of us will be leaping under desks in a spirit of preparedness. That sounds like fun. But there's a serious side. Nevada is considered the third most seismically active state in the nation. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. What are you hoping for in this November election? Let us know at 702-514-0719. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead and tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. Now my brain is, let's get ready to rumble them. 30 years in education. (laughs) Okay. Yes, I was like, it's my radio voice, Layla. Respect my radio voice. (laughs) Okay. Non-radio voice.